2: Hello and welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Telfer and on this occasion I am joined by my close associate, Mr Sean McGuigan. Hello there. And you know what happens when Sean and I get together? That is right, it is one of our patented lower league roundups. If if anyone anyone else doing a podcast thinks about copying this idea, hands off. We'll get our solicitors on you. Effectively, what we are going to do is look at one game from the Championship, one game from League One and one game from League Two and, and just talk about them. Uh, and then we're going to record a Patreon where we look at the other uh, 12 games from, from around the division. We talk about them less in depth. Um, but yeah, how, before we kick off, Sean, just check in with you. how things with yourself since I saw you last Thursday?
3: Uh, I am. I'm very well. I've been day off today. I have watched a lot of lower league highlights. Uh, other than that uh, arguably the highlight of my day has been buying some small plates I appreciate that the fact that that, that people are aware that we're involved in a, a late night regional television show they might think it's all a kind of blizzard of narcotics and and supermodels but in fact it's just me going to Denel Mill and and buying some small
2: plates totally totally when I moved into this uh, this this flat I thought uh, my life's just going to be just full of fucking but it's absolutely not it's just I I, I spent uh, I bought 39 items from John Lewis in one go including wooden spoons and plastic chopping boards and I thought to myself, I don't think Dan Bilzerian or Callum Best has ever spent money in wooden spoons, you know. So it really is, a, it really is a duality of mine. You know, I, I,
3: I can see that you are still uh, lying on your floor in a in a sleeping bag, and I'm guessing
2: your your sleeping arrangements are unchanged from last week. Sean, I have done so much over the last seven days, but I've done fucking nothing over the last seven days. Effectively, where we are is the the walls have been sanded and we've we've painted them. My mum my stepdad, they've been fantastic, actually. They've come up uh, the last two days and we've painted the bedroom, painted the living room. Uh, The television sky was installed today, which is good. I can watch the the television now. And I had a guy come over to look at the flooring. The bed has been delivered, however... Um, we still have a bit of work to do in the in the bedroom. There's a couple of things that need plastered. And on top of this, I don't know if this sounds weird, after we're finished, I could build the bed and have a nice night sleeping it. However, I think I want to build the bed tomorrow night, spend my Friday night in bed and have a nice big long lie tomorrow. That, no, that, Sunday, that, Saturday even. That doesn't make a lick of sense. Why would, why would you not just do it tonight? Um, I don't know. I'm beginning to feel like Alan Partridge when he lives in the static caravan and then becomes so used to living in the static caravan that when he moves into his big house, he wants to sleep in the box room because it reminds him of the static caravan. I might just spend the rest of my life sleeping at the end of the living room on an inflatable mattress. Um, but there's all the stuff arrived, so I've got. My mattress uh, my pillows, my duvet. I've got a. Uh, i have got I spent a wee bit of money, I was good to myself. Uh, I bought linen bed sheets. Um, so we're in a position. However, the carpet, I'm getting a new carpet put in. It's not coming till the end of the month, maybe even the start of September. So I think I've built the bed, then I've got to take it out and, and rip up the carpet. But I suppose that's it's either that I, I, or I could just sleep to the start of September in the inflatable mattress. That's just yeah. stupid. Yeah. See, see the fact that you aren't
3: building up your bed tonight. This kind of feeds into this theory that you quite like to punish yourself. So you, you spend a lot of time watching Badil Syndrome, one of the worst sitcoms that this uh, nation has ever produced. You spend a lot of time watching terrible films. Yes. It, it kind of feels like you punish yourself a lot for, for whatever
2: reason you, you, you deem necessary. You know, it's weird. I was watching, I was doing a bit of painting last night and I was watching Peep Show. I uh, yeah, just, you know, Pe- I think Peep Show is one of those programs where you've seen it that many times that you can just watch it over and over again. Plus, I'd watched Baddiel's Syndrome the past two nights and I, I felt it was on either a wee bit of a change. I was watching Peep Show and there's a bit with when Dobby is talking to Mark, and this is about Series 5 or Series 6. And he's talking to Mark and says that, that he constantly needs to feel worried because if he ever feels happy he he thinks something bad's immediately about to happen and i can, i can see the the point that she's making although i don't know what that's got to do with me sleeping in an inflatable mattress when i've got a bed in another room that just needs to be assembled but yeah it's it's a, it's a painful glimpse into into my life you know i i don't know if anyone ever tunes into a view from the terrace and they think wow these guys these guys have got it all, you know. They've got a, a region, slot on regional BBC television. They get to hang out with their mates. I wonder what their private lives are like. But this podcast is is the fact these opening five minutes. have just shattered that illusion that it, it's not living really. It's just waiting, it's
1: like, existing, you,
2: isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. I suppose like you, you just wait until until for something to happen. It's like it's like waiting for Godot, um, but but less interesting. And and could, and that really is you... saying something. Could you not just move the mattress into your living room and sleep on the mattress? No, this is the thing is when I get the bed set up, I really want that full bed experience. That is what I'm looking for, Sean. I want... To go to have the bed made up, go to my bed at like eight o'clock at night. Just spend the time in there getting to know the bed, getting to know myself a bit better, and then having a nice long lie into early Saturday afternoon and going to the, the the football. That's what I want to do. But you you know, weirdly enough, I'm I'm getting used to sleeping on the floor. The, the inflatable mattress I actually managed to get six or seven hours on the on the floor. So yeah, um, we're, we're getting there. I mean, I feel I feel my recommendations are, are falling on deaf ears. You know what, Sean, I've got painting to do tonight. I, I might, once we're finished up here, I might assemble the bed. But depending, I've not even had my dinner. So de- depending, on, depending on how I feel. But it's good, you know, I'll say this, the, the area that I've moved into is, is lovely. Um, and I, I want to say, I think a couple of listeners actually got in touch on after this podcast over Friday and the weekend to, to say like I hope you're settling into the area very well. They they knew from me describing it, they, they knew where I was talking about. So it's great to see um that that well great to to read those messages. That's very appreciative. And if I ever we were bump into each other at a pub, there's plenty around me within it within a stone's throw, uh, then we'll we'll have a couple of laggers together and chat about whoever uh, football, whoever it is we support. I support Stenhouse Muir, you can talk about whoever you support. If you support Stenhouse Muir as well, great. If you don't, we'll, we'll, I'll read up on it. <laughs> Text me first so I can go and pie and and, and and read up on it. It might be a team I don't know much about, like um, uh, Dundee United.
3: I, I don't know anything about them either. They or, always say Matt
2: McNulty. That's that's all I know about them. What's the point? He's guff. <laughs> might as well be saying Jimmy McNulty. <laughs> 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 anyway, before we get started on this podcast, uh, we are
1: legally obliged to give you this message from our sponsors. The return of football is always worth celebrating and Beer 52 are generously offering free beer while you watch your team from the comfort of your own home. Or if you just want a few to get you in the mood before you head down to the local ground as we're now allowed back at the stadiums again. Yes! They're often eight craft beers sourced and created from the best breweries on the planet for free. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash terrace and just cover the five ninety five for postage. Beer 52 is the world's most popular craft beer discovery club with over 150,000 members that they send a brand new case to each and every month. Every month's case has a different theme. Past themes have included beer from New Zealand, South Africa, Korea, all over the US and Europe. If dark beer is not your thing, you can simply choose the light option and your case will come with an award-winning beer magazine, Ferment, and a tasty snack. Don't worry though, if you change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time. Just go to beer52.com forward slash terrace to get your first case of eight beers for five ninety five. pounds 95 That's beer52.com forward slash terrace.
2: <laughs> yes, of course. That sounds great. I'll uh, stick me down for two. <laughs> I'll uh, sign me up for beer, beer 75. I think it's beer, it's certainly a number, it's beer followed by a number
3: Yeah, well, No. whatever I, I was interested to see how you were going to uh, insert that And I, I knew you would do it seamlessly because you are uh, a, a very good host uh, But I was interested to see how you done it And I thought you've done it very well, well done yeah. Because obviously we had instructions from Craig Fowler yes. That we had to insert an advert It's not something we normally do No I, but, but
2: well done yeah, well, excellent, Sean. And one other thing I wanted to say, I saw the comments from last week's show were roundly positive. They said um the podcast was described as being three hours long. And it reminds me, I don't know if that's good or not. It reminds me in Spinal Tap when they're described as Britain's loudest band. You know, that's you know that's not necessarily a compliment. You know, is that good? Is is that bad being britland's Longest band? podcast. Britain's loudest, Britain's longest podcast. I right, another thing that somebody pointed out. In fact, two people pointed out was that you've got the tendency to ask yourself questions. I know. And I know. Them. I know. I'm, I'm going to try and avoid that this evening. Okay. Well, let's so see. Stay if you, tuned and see if I succeed. Okay. If you don't, Sean, how about you give five hundred pounds to charity? Uh, how about less money to charity? Okay, how about all your earnings from the from the future series of Youth from the Terrace? How about less money to charity? Okay, that's fine then. That's fine. So given given how much I know you are making a view for the terrace, that'll be £10 to charity. <laughs> that's, that's fine. That's fine. I think that's all the charities can really ask for. But anyway, let's start with the first of our three games. And we are going to start with, I think it's fair to say if there is a more remarkable game of Scottish football this season, I, I'll i be astonishing because we're starting the championship, we're going to Starks Park, where Wraith Rovers and Hamilton Academico played out a 4-4 draw. That scoreline enough is ridiculous, but the circumstances of the match are perhaps even more unbelievable. Wraith Rovers took a four-goal lead, Lewis Vaughan scored a brace, Dario Zanatta scored a stunner, and Aidan Connolly netted a very well-taken goal but the Rovers crumbled in the final 22 minutes with Kieran McDonald scoring two against his old club, Andy Ryan chipping in with another, and then Sean Want scoring a header in injury time. Sean McGuigan, what the fuck? I would love to
3: say I have never seen anything like it before. However, in 2015, I was at the, I think it was the Cheaper Insurance Direct Stadium, it was called at that time, where Wraith Rovers were beating Dumbarton by three goals to nil. It was three goals going on four or five, and then in the final nine minutes, uh, Dumbarton scored three goals and it finished 3 all. And I genuinely think that that game has affected how I view Wraith Rovers since. Because see when, see when Kieran McDonald scored after I think it was six to eight minutes yeah, to make it 4-1. Now 4-1 with just over 20 minutes to go, that shouldn't really matter. But my first reaction was to go, oh no. Really? Aye, I, and I don't think I was the only one in in the Wraith Rover support. There is a, a general thing at Dumbarton game has there is a kind of PTSD effect in terms of how you watch the Rovers.
2: Okay, that the, that so, may affect, affect you as a supporter watching the Rovers, but this is a completely brand new group of players there. I no, think, but I think uh, I think that Kyle the, Benedictus would have been there.
3: Yeah, but I think the I think don't get me wrong, but there wasn't. It was a weird game actually, to be fair, and, and I, I suppose I'll, I'll get to that more. In a in a minute. But as soon as it got to 4 2, that's when the nervousness yeah, from course. the fans started to pull impart itself onto the players, I, I think. And also because of the the substitutions that have been made. And and what I would say is I appreciate I'm pulling the minority here. But I do think that Saturday might have been uh, and I know this might be a kind of knee jerk thing, and I know that there's a kind of recency bias. But I don't know if I've ever been at a better, a better game of football in mm-hmm. terms of. I mean, I mean, I mean, what do you want when you go to the football? You want to watch, you want to watch football that is pleasing on the eye, and for sixty-five minutes, more actually. Wraith done that. You want to see hundreds of goals. Yes. I got that. You want to see good goals, brilliant yes. goals. We got that, and you want to see drama and excitement. And I don't get me wrong. I'd rather have had slightly less drama and excitement, <laughs> but, I, but I got that as well. And you don't always get that in lower league Scottish football. It was it was absolutely brilliant. And as much as the as much as the the, the finale was a was was a blow. I mean, I, I'm never presumably never going to see a comeback like that in my life. It was just an incredible game of football, and it would be it would be difficult for me to to sit here and say. I, I didn't enjoy it because actually, actually I did. I, I, I was, I was disappointed, of course, Aye. when Hamilton equalised, but it kind of felt inevitable. See, as soon as I went to 4-2, it felt inevitable. And as soon as I went to 4-4, okay. I just started laughing. Right, well,
2: let's talk about the moment it went 4-2, Sean, because of course, uh, Kieran McDonald had scored, um, then uh, Andy Ryan had scored. That's right, Kieran McDonald and Andy Ryan scored before McDonald got his third. So, Andy Ryan Reduces deficit to two goals. Tell me what the feeling was like then. Up we'll come on and talk about Reth Rovers goals because they were. I mean, the four goals I mean, one of them was a penalty, but the the three of the four goals were stunning goals. All of them were brilliant goals. But let's let's go to that moment just after Andy Ryan uh, reduces the deficit. What was it feeling like inside the ground? Concern,
3: <laughs> concern, <laughs> worry, and. As soon as that, as soon as Andy Ryan's, because it was a great goal. Um, I mean, the, they, they kind of cut in for the left-hand side, struck a brilliant, uh, a brilliant shot past Jimmy McDonald, and you could see that the momentum and the belief kind of ebbed from the Rovers players, and had been kind of sucked in by the Hamilton players. And and I think because of the, I think because of the the substitutions as well. Because ultimately, I think what this game changed on was the. Was the substitutions, and although I'm 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 not a great believer in saying, oh well, in hindsight, somebody should have done this and somebody should have done that. When all the when all the substitutions came on, in terms of Wraith Rovers, I, I thought they were the right substitutions at the time. So they brought on uh, Ethan Varian, who is a teenager that's on loan from uh, Stoke and brought Kai Fotheringham, who's a, a teenager that's come on, on loan from Dunn United. And I used to get hugely frustrated at uh, both John McGlynn and his predecessor, Barry Smith, when games looked like they were finished and you had teenagers on the bench. And when you're, I don't know, yeah. 3-0 up against yeah. Queen's Park, for example, or 3-0 yeah. up against Forfar, or 4-1 up against Hamilton. If you're not going to use your bench at that point and use your teenagers and give them minutes, yes. when are you going to use them? Uh, so when these guys come on I thought right that's absolutely fine uh, the, the game's done so, so giving these guys minutes seems seems fine I think when I went to 4-2 though and again at the time I thought it was a it was a good substitution he replaced Lewis Vaughn and being a man, you have to manage Lewis Vaughn's fitness so yes. that felt sensible and he, he brought in Blaze Riley Snow now Blaze Riley Snow is a, a defensive midfielder who in his defence Showed up very well uh, against Livingston in the League Cup, and mm-hmm. bear in mind he's playing against a a Premiership midfield. However, all of Wraith Rover's substitutions probably weakened them. Not necessarily in terms of the, in terms of Fotheringham and uh, uh, Varian. They they done okay when they came on. However, at four two it was panic stations, and what you probably don't want is when you need to to keep the ball you probably don't want two 18, 19-year-olds up front oh. who have barely played a game between them, barely you know, played a senior game between them.
2: You know, uh, sort of, that, that's an interesting observation. It's it's that, it's that a difficult thing for a manager to, to sort of stick or twist with that. I remember a game wh- where it's perhaps one of the most harrowing experiences. And, and going back to what you were saying about it being very exciting, it was Stennis Muir lost 5-4 against Dunfermline Athletic. Yep, remember Being up uh, 4-2 up with uh, six minutes to go. And it was j- taking off attacking players with the aim of shoring up the, the pitch. But however, you by removing attacking players, you lose the ability for the ball to stick up the top. Mm-hmm. And so that means that means allows the team who really don't have anything to lose to be able to push forward and peg you back and put all the pressure on top of you and you don't have that out ball to get out there. Yeah, no, totally. And I suppose when you take off Vaughn.
3: Who has a brilliant outball and probably isn't going to give the ball away? And then bring on Riley Snow. You're, you're surrendering a good portion of a good portion of the pitch. Then mm-hmm. maybe that's fine if, if Riley Snow is going to come on and have a good game. But he absolutely didn't. He uh, he, he kind of ran down blind, uh, blind alleys. He he gave the ball away. He was he lost out on challenges. He looked he looked out of his, out of his depth actually on on Saturday. Now I I didn't see the Livingston game. I was going to say I didn't buy the, the 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 stream, but the stream wasn't available, which made me really angry. But apparently he was apparently he was fine uh, that evening, but he was poor when he came on on Saturday. And when you compare that to the Hamilton substitutions, so David Templeton came on with 50 minutes to go and had two assists. Andy Ryan came on at halftime and had an assist and a goal. Yeah. Scott McMahon came on at halftime and I'm fairly certain was involved in one of the goals. And that was the difference. Hamilton's three substitutions improved their squad, uh, improved their uh, um, team, and Rafe Rovers' uh, substitutions weakened their team uh, very much to a degree. And that was, that's probably where the game changed. Now, I think I think John McGlynn has presumably learned from that. However, uh, Brad Spencer has broken his foot. I think he broke his foot in the last five, 10 minutes of the game. So bear in mind, Ross Matthews, is is not fit either. I I do wonder who's going to drop in alongside Dylan Tate in terms of protecting the back four. Riley Snow is the player who's supposed to do that, but based on his performance on Saturday, whether he'll come in against Inverness, I I, I don't know. But in, in, in 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 terms of how that game went, I literally went from 65 minutes thinking this was genuinely as good. And bear in mind, Rovers had a lot of plaudits last season in terms of in terms of how they played. Saturday for sixty-five minutes was as good as, as anything they produced last season, including the, including the five on when over Dunfermline. They were they were exceptional, and I thought, right, I don't think Wraith Rovers have a squad on paper that can challenge for the league. However, if they're going to play like this, even remotely like this, they could potentially challenge for the championship. And then at full time, I brought up a fixture list. And I didn't know where the, where the first win's going to come from. I'm like, right, well, they hardly win today. They're not going to beat Inverness next week. They'll lose to Aberdeen. I kind of seen them beating Dunfermline. Like, I was literally, I was like, I don't know where the first win's going to come from. And that, it was an extraordinary swing of momentum
2: and, uh, I, honestly, I was just, it was okay. just incredible. Well, I mean, now you've had the chance to, it's, it's been nearly uh, four or five days have passed since that game of football. I mean, reflecting on it now, reflecting on chances going forward for the season, are you as pessimistic as it now? Am I as pessimistic about it now?
3: You've just asked yourself a question. Just I, know, to... I know, I know, I <laughs> know. No, no, I don't think I am. I, I think, I, I think if you're going to take it from a glass half full perspective, then that, because being in mind, that it wasn't a capitulation for 4-1. Even at 4-1, Wraith Rovers had two one-on-ones that they made a pig's ear of, that they would have absolutely finished the game off. I think Wraith will have. and My opinion of Wraith is that they'll still be okay, but I still don't know if they'll if they'll challenge for a top-four position. And in terms of Hamilton, mm-hmm. I know they've brought in uh, Mikko Vertanen uh, this afternoon, who who has had two loan spells at Arbroath. He was, he was very good as a defensive midfielder. Yeah. And his first loan spell, he, he, just, he breaks up play. And that was badly required for Hamilton. The amount of times that Lewis Vaughan would drop deep on Saturday and nobody would be near him. I mean, and bear in mind, he's, he's Rover's most dangerous player. So the fact that he would have 20 yards of space in the middle of the park, not good from a Hamilton perspective. and will give them that, uh, will give them that, Kind of protection. Yes. As long as he plays the same as he did during his first loan spell, he was, he was probably less impressive during his second loan spell. So, so I think he'll, I think he'll help Mars. But I do think Hamilton's success or otherwise will depend on David Templeton remaining fit. Because see, when he came on, like obviously, and we'll probably get onto this game during the during the patron. But Kamalik versus Air, you, you looked at Chris Burke, and he was. He was superb, man. He was excellent. I mean, he was, he was, he was two levels above most other players in the park. And Templeton, he was only on fifteen minutes, but he kind of looked a bit like that as well. Now, I'm honest, he didn't look very fit. He looked like he was a wee bit heavy, and and obviously Templeton's does struggle with he, with his fitness. If Hamilton can wrap him in uh, bubble wrap and keep him fit, then I, I think they'll be absolutely fine and and might challenge in the top four. But I, right, if 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 they don't have him available, then Hamilton might struggle. And like, I know we spoke about Hamilton last week, and it was like, I don't know if they're any good uh, or if they're rubbish. Even after Saturday, I don't know if they're any good or <laughs> if rubbish. Because based on the first 65 minutes, they awesome. were bad. Mm-hmm. But the last kind of 20 minutes or so, really impressive. But being in mind, at that point, everybody had to go for it. They had everybody up front. I mean, even at 4-3... Wraith Rovers had a two-on-one in the very last minute that they made a pig zero of. It was uh, Kai Fotheringham and Aidan Connolly. Fotheringham had a, a, a kind of window of opportunity to, to slip it to, to Aidan Connolly to, uh, to, to, to kind of side foot home. Didn't they take it? Went went himself. Hit the bar, to be fair. That would have made it 5-3, but from the goal kick, Hamilton made, it, Hamilton made it 4-4. And that was the, you know, that's the kind of small margins that, that yeah. this game hindered on, but it was... I mean, honestly, a, a, a
2: fantastic game of football. And let's talk about some of the moments that made it particularly fantastic, Sean. And as mentioned earlier, Raith Rover's goals. The first one, it was a definite handball. Lewis Spence coming out trying to clear a, a cross ball. Seemed to punch it. Uh, I know it's like handballs, when you're particularly watching match highlights back, handballs can look a wee bit like tricky to, to try and spot. But that was definite sort of like Maradona yeah. against Peter Shilton coming amazing. out to punch it. And, and Lewis Von slots with the penalty. However, the, the subsequent three goals, watching them back, I was audibly gasping at how good the goals were. And I think we'll still see a better goal than Dario Zanata's. This from the, like, I, I'd never seen really seen this before, thinking it's the Hamilton Aki's get a corner, the ball goes out for a goal kick, and Jamie McDonald takes a quick goal kick while the Hamilton players are jogging back. This is something I never really, I, I think I don't think I'd ever really seen this because most of the time the, the goalkeeper will wait you know, wait till the players are in position or they bunch up around, like kick it off and, and then just wait and see what happens. But this was a short goal kick out to the fullback. can't remember the fullback, but it's a beautiful... I think it was I think, think Tumotay got the take. ball wide on the right. It smashes we, the ball over like, like 60 yards to Zanatta. Yeah. Zanatta comes in from the left flank onto his right foot and hits the thing. I, I think if that ball, if it wasn't for the net, that ball would still be travelling. He smashes it. And it's like from the goal kick, to that ball hitting the back of the net, that was just a lovely, 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 lovely goal. I mean, I I, I tweeted,
3: uh, I think at halftime, that, that the, the goal of the season, uh, competition, in terms of Wraith Rovers, was, was already done, even though there was still 35 and a half games to go. But, I, I, I still stand by it. It was an absolutely brilliant goal, and I, I think, I mean, you've described it perfectly, but there was, there was a lot of question marks about Wraith Rovers' uh, recruitment over the summer, and then, that might still be the case. Don't don't get me wrong. I, I think Zanata scored a brilliant goal for Air United in the League Cup last season. And, and
2: then talking about really doing that, When you talk about like, questionable recruitment, I think that's that's interesting. That. when it when it came to Raythrove's recruitment, guys like Tom Lang, guys like Zanata, because they, they were getting signed on pre-contract agreements. Well, Wraith Rover still had the opportunity to yep. get promoted into the Premiership, and I remember you and I joking at the time, like you can imagine, Zanata maybe starting a couple of League Cup ties, then going on loan to Queen of the South or someone like that. I uh, and, and Lang maybe going back to on loan to Clyde, playing a couple of games, going on loan to Clyde or someone like that. So, it'll be interesting to see how these guys going forward. Based on what you saw in that evidence, do you think Zanata is capable enough to? maintain his form over the course of the season. Zanata was man of the match on, on Saturday,
3: in, in my opinion, scored scored a brilliant goal, had an assist for Aidan Connolly, who again Wraith Rovers fans had, had question marks over. I had more question marks over Zanata than Aidan Connolly. If I'm honest, I, I thought Connolly when is it when he was at Wraith Rovers previously, albeit you're going back a few a few seasons now, I, I thought it was excellent. He hasn't really done very much since. However, I'm I'm okay with both of them at, at the moment. They, they certainly they, they cause Hamilton a load of bother at the weekend. And if if they can continue to play like that uh most weeks, then I they will have the two of them will have very, very successful seasons. And I suppose from a, a Wraith point of view, the most pleasing thing was the link play between Vaughn and Paplatnik. So yes. Paplatnik was probably the most advanced of the two. However, he's happy to drop deep, but he was the one who for Wraith Rovers fourth goal I think it was he won the header flicked it on for Vaughan and then he just advanced and as uh, uh, Fulton uh, the Hampton goalkeeper came out to meet him he just he kind of waited for Fulton to go down and then he just dinked it over I mean it was just a a brilliant brilliant goal and at that point it's 4-0 and you're like right well this game is is absolutely done
2: it was a full gamut of goals you know I, I was actually in a conversation with, with my mate about this at, at work today, and we were talking about it got if it's 50 passes and a tapping, or it's a big punt up the park. Uh, they all still count remember? that goal really was sort of the beauty and the beast because it was just a <laughs> up the park from McDonald. Poplatnik, one of the worst hairlines in Scottish football, as well, <laughs> flicks on, and I'm sure I just thought Vaughn was just going to like you know hit it to the side of Fulton, But to have the presence of mind just to daintily lift it over the top of him into the net, uh, that was one of the ones. That he actually whipped when I was like that because I did not expect <laughs> that going. And same with, with probably an underrated goal, a good goal, but underrated within the context of these goals was Aidan Connolly's goal because it was really, really nice play between him and Zanata down the left. And when Zanata played them in, I was expecting him to cut the ball back to Zanata because Zanata had moved into the, the, the edge of, into the penalty box unmarked, expecting him to cut the ball back to Zanata for, for a finish. And then on top of that, you'd Poplatnik sort of lurking at the back post to go in. But to have just have the confidence to just arrow the shot. I mean, the the, the, the accuracy of the finish was sensational, you know, right across Fulton, right into the corner of the net, just sumptuous. And that was another one because I wasn't expecting that. Love that when you're watching goals back and it's like when the attacker does something completely unpredictable where you can see, the, it's like where you can see the pieces all move around them and you think, well, that's going to go there, the ball's going to go there and then he's going to do stuff. And you see Popatnik lurking, Zanata just, just waiting for the return pass and not to use either and just to smash it into the, the bottom corner right across Fulton. Lovely, lovely stuff. I mean, I, I think probably the most happening thing from a, a Wraith perspective is
3: I think, well, they have downgraded from last season. There's a few players that, that they've lost that they haven't replaced to the same standard. However, for approximately 70 minutes or so, they were still playing football that is as good as anything that they produced last season and the season before under John McGlynn. So if that's what they're going to produce, hopefully most weeks, then they are still going to be a brilliant team to watch, and that's like like Ray fans. We, we didn't really expect to challenge for promotion last season, and I, I don't think we expected to 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 see such good football. And that's ultimately what Ray fans are, are, are enjoying at the moment. Yeah. It's just we haven't seen. And I know I've mentioned this before. But we haven't seen anything since since Jim and Nichols' team in in the nineties in terms oh. of playing good football. It's just it's quite rare that like you you turn up on a Saturday and you you don't enjoy what you're seeing. And that's whether it's a win or a loss or a draw or whatever. It's really to come and say, right,
2: we've we haven't played very well today. It's just it's just so good to watch. You know well, what I also enjoyed about the highlights, Sean? I think it was after Zanata's goal, booing. I had missed the sound of booing. The Hamilton fans, <laughs> right there, the Hamilton fans tucked in behind the goals, absolutely livid because I'm sure, although it's a wonderful finish from Zanata, I think it's Ben Sterling and and Jamie Hamilton are quite slow. Uh, out to him you can see I think it's Hamilton's playing a uh, right throwback comes across to to to, to follow Zanata, and I think what he's expecting is perhaps a bit of help someone to come out and, and, and double up them and that's uh, that's Sterling but Sterling doesn't really do it and it gives the, the perfect opportunity for Zanata to have the shot then you get the booing and it's, it, it's you know the expression like uh, the, the, that old philosophical phrase if a tree falls in the woods and doesn't make a noise does, does it actually does it actually make a sound if Hamilton Akies plays shite and there's no one there to boo it, does it actually happen? And it was it was it was great to, to listen to that. But spoken a lot about Wraith Rovers, let's talk about Chipper and, and his side. What are there any conclusions that we can take from them based on that performance? And I'll tell you what I was worried about. See, see when Hamilton came out at the start, Chipper was
3: wearing a, a kind of big jacket and then a, a suit underneath. And then when Wraith Rovers went 1-0 up, he took off his big jacket. And then when Wraith Rovers went 2-0 up, he took off his suit jacket. And my concern was that this trend was going to continue if Wraith Rovers continued to score goals. So when Wraith went 3-0 up, my immediate concern was, is Chipper about to take off another item of clothing? (laughs) And if it is, I really hope it's his tie rather than his shirt on his breeks. But thankfully, that that trend uh, stopped then and then. I know... I know there was like a lot of chat about, oh well, Hamilton never give up in, in, in all this, and all this malarkey. I, see, see on another day, I mean, I don't know how to describe it. See on another day, Hamilton would have lost a 6-1. However, I think to come back from four goals down and finish 4-4, that can only give them confidence for the season going forward. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Watching them on Saturday, I, I wasn't particularly impressed. Uh and I kind of thought this is probably a team that's going to finish in the bottom five rather than the top five. However, the amount of confidence that that, that imbues into them, m- maybe they will finish top five, maybe they will be top four. But based on based on the majority of the game, that this isn't a good team. And whether whether uh Vertinen makes a difference in that. I, I'm not so sure. I mean, like like David Moyle and Callum Smith was, was the two strikers that started this game. They they, they didn't really give Rovers any problems whatsoever. No. The middle of park for large portions of the game, uh, which was Lewis Spence and, and Regan Mumna, were really struggling to cope with the Rovers. Uh, Marlow Redfern started wide left. Honestly, I thought it was terrible and I thought it was absolutely terrible. So it feels like Hamilton still needs I mean, bear in mind, Brian Rice has now been saying pretty much every week in his press conferences for the last six weeks that they still need two or three players to come in. Mm-hmm. And I still think that's the case if they want to challenge for the if they want to challenge for the top four. I still I didn't see enough for them, in, in my opinion, to to think that they would that they would challenge. So let's say you've got Kelly, Dunfermline, uh I still think Wraith might be in contention at the at the kind of top end of the table. Inverness, I was quite impressed with at the weekend. If Hamilton are going to be in the playoffs, I, I do suspect it'll be it'll be fourth, and and, and they might just sneak in there. But I, I still think there's what to do with a squad.
2: Yeah, well, that's... say uh, Hamilton. I not really a team that I. In fact, no, I've I've, I've not had to that, Sean. I, I I can't say Hamilton a team. I've got I know much about. Or I've got much time for. Uh, so yeah. Good luck to them. Actually, that's a terrible link. Um, there's, there's not much else to say. To I think we've, we've summed, summed up perfectly. Hey, you kind of look to that team, there really is a sort of... Most of the time, there's a, there are at least a couple of youngsters or a little bit of stardust there that you can kind of hang your hat on there. But I don't think there is much that time around. This, this time around, beg your pardon. So it will certainly be interesting to see. I can imagine them sort of like being similar to Inverness Cali Thistle you know, where they're a sort of like upper mid table team who might get into the playoffs. Uh, but I think we might, this might be the last time we certainly see them in the top flight for some time. And Inverness for me might have a wee bit more about them. And I know we might touch on
3: it in the Patreon, but uh, looking at the respective squads, I I still think Inverness, and I think there was a belief that Billy Dodds might be a bit of a balloon when it comes to football management, but actually you might know what he's doing and squad wise, I know, I know we're kind of touching this every year that, that Inverness appear to be kind of downgrading mm-hmm. and, and certainly reducing their, their, their budgets, but I think Inverness might have enough to, to
2: be there or thereabouts, certainly with the, the promotion places. Let's go into League One and our featured match is Cove Rangers 1, Falkirk 1. This, I think, in the circumstances, is actually a really good point for Falkirk and they were probably unlucky not to walk away with all three The team hadn't trained in almost a fortnight because of COVID restrictions. They had to forfeit their League Cup ties against Edinburgh City and Air United. They had requested the game be postponed, but the SPFL denied it. I think it's something to do with the fact that Falkirk's players were still in a position where they could play, even though they hadn't trained. Uh, They didn't want to set a precedent uh, and allow other teams in, in a similar position to postpone games. So Falkirk, although the players hadn't really trained, they went up and gave a pretty good go against Cove Rangers. Aidan Nisbet opened the scoring midway through the first half, but Rory McAllister equalised with 12 minutes remaining with a lovely finish uh, after the ball broke to him inside the box. Sean, what are your thoughts on this game? I I think that, based on what I've
3: seen so far, bear in mind Falkirk, have. Not really had much of a pre season. So I, I, I don't think I had too many pre season friendlies. Their League Cup campaign was essentially cut short. They had X amount of players that had to self isolate and, and couldn't train going mm-hmm. into this one. They obviously wanted this game to be uh, postponed. But the fact that they went up to, to Balmour, and from what I could see, Dominate Balmoral don't you mean Balmoral stadium uh, sorry Balmoral oh,
0: absolutely.
3: <laughs> what what a jerk uh, <laughs> and going they went up there and and dominated mm-hmm. and, I mean uh, I think Cove are quite lucky t- to get a draw and as much as as much as I'm not entirely sure this is the best in terms of talent I'm not entirely sure this is the best Falkirk squad that they've had in League 1 but maybe in Paul Sheeran they have a manager who can who can get a tune out of everybody. So, and if you look at the players they had, they can get forward. So, mm-hmm. like Charlie Telfer sat in front of the back four, but he he can dictate matters and, and got forward very well. And and you know Charlie Telfer is, I mean, he's been in the books at & and Rangers, and yes, his career has went backwards. But Charlie Telfer is probably better than League One, in, in my opinion. And he
2: like It's his fitness. There's big concerns over his fitness.
3: Uh, Seb Ross, I think there was question marks over in terms of bringing him in for, for Cove. He looked like he had a good game, mm-hmm. playing in front of Charlie Telfer. Aidan Nesbitt had yep. a more central position than, than, he, than he has had at his previous clubs. And I suppose there's question marks over, over Nesbitt as well, but then, bear in mind, his first uh, spell at Morton, he was highly regarded and then he went to Dungeon United, but it didn't work out quite so well. Went back to at, at Morton again, it didn't really work out so well. And it feels like Nesbitt's career is, has stalled and went yeah. backwards. But but again, there is a reason that Dungeon United signed him. He, he is a talented player. Mm-hmm. And if Shearing can, can get that out of him, then they'll be absolutely fine. Either side of Jamie Wilson, I'm not entirely sure that Jamie Wilson is a man to lead the line, but regardless, Craig McGuffey is another player who... I'm not entirely sure was,
2: he's had flashes at championship level. I think what he's best known for is his goals. He's got a handful of spectacular goals at Air United and at Morton. I think he's better known for some of the goals than he is for his general play. But but I think Air United fans might have been okay with him staying on in the championship.
3: And on the other side, you have, so he was on the left. On the other side, you have Callum Morrison on the, on the right. And we've spoken about Callum Morrison uh, a, a few times before. At this point, or slightly later uh, than than this point last season, Callum Morrison looked like he could have been the best player in League One. I mean, his ability to to beat a man and deliver a cross. Maybe going into September, mm-hmm. looked like he was going to be the the best player in League One last season, and then it petered out. Whether it was because whether it was because teams figured out how to deal with him, whether it was something to do with. Uh, how he was managed, whether it was to, with that attitude—I I, I don't know—but on Saturday against Cove, he looked every bit as good as he was at the beginning of last season.
2: There was a and moment in the in the highlights. I, was it was it for Nesbitt's goal? But he, he had Harry Milne, where he, he just destroyed him, absolutely yep. destroyed him. Just took the ball down the right, and, and Milne will look. I don't know if Mil- Milne's just back from injury. I, I'm not hundred percent sure. But, but Milne just couldn't keep up with him. And was that for the goal that where, where, he, where he beat him and chucked the cross in for, for Nesbitt to to yeah. control yeah. and finish? Yeah. Aye, but that was just... I, I was actually astonished at how, how quick off the mark he was. And, and, and if, if he can consistently do that... Then, then then Falkirk have got a really good chance. I I agree with what you're saying there. I think Falkirk, in terms of the their the creative attacking players, you say Telfer, Morrison, Nesbitt I think these are good League One players. There's a reason they're all down there. Of course, you know the thing things perhaps haven't worked out, and if that's a a, a sign of maybe there's careers in in general decline or just a need and rejuvenation, that we still don't know that. I think Falkirk's big problem though is is the strikers because it's something we mentioned when we were talking about last week because the three strikers they have in their books Anton Dowds, Aidan Keener and Jamie Wilson they need a a, a significant upgrade if they're going to challenge to to win the title
3: Do do, do you think that though?
2: Yeah I do do You think they'll need uh, a significant
3: bearing in mind McGuffey will get forward Nesbitt Ross Telfer Morrison I I agree with you they need a far better focal point however in terms of watching everybody else in this league uh, at the weekend I don't know if they will need a massive upgrade. I, I think even I think even Aidan Keener starting over Jamie Wilson might be enough. They bear in mind that they, they don't have a Partick thistle in the league this season that can overtake them. They don't have a they don't have a Wraith Rovers that denied them the, the season before. In terms of Queen's Park, yes, they have a good squad, and we'll probably get to them in, in in the Patreon, but they might just have enough behind that 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 loan forward if that's what they're going to go with. to to, to get by I mean they were I I thought they were far better than, than Cove at the weekend and that's
2: with Jamie Wilson leading the line uh, you know, I was, I was actually thinking about this earlier. I was thinking about the the, the difference between a guy like Aiden Keane and Jamie Wilson. Now, I don't know either of these two players, but I imagine, imagine that, that a guy like Jamie Wilson is probably more surprised than anyone else that he is played <laughs> football on a two-year contract with who with, with Falker have the potential to be a big club. We've spoken a lot in the past about Falker's potential. And imagine that for him, every day is just about trying to prove how good a footballer you can be. So at training, you're absolutely knocking your pan in to do the best you can. You know, you're trying to prove it to your manager, you're trying to prove it to your teammates, or trying to repay the faith that your manager's showing you uh, by signing you. And then compare it to a guy like, so like Aiden Nisbet, for instance. Now, I, I I don't know Aiden Nisbet, I don't know much about him, but if you were in the books of Celtic as a youngster, and, and people were, were touting you as perhaps the next Aiden McGeady in terms of how good a player you were when you're younger. And then there's a couple of loan moves that haven't worked out, and you've you've sort of shawshanked your way down, down the football ladder. Nisbet could join a club like Falker and be like, oh, what, I can't really be bothered here. Yeah, let's like just, I've here got a, like a two, three year contract. Let's like just, Let's just see how it goes and maybe try and get my way upwards. So I think there, there might be that's something that that I think Wilson can bring with you. I'm, I'm just this is me purely imagining uh, what he's like as a player and what he's like as a person. However, in terms of ability, I just don't think that that, that he's that that he's that he's good enough. He's a big lump, but I think that there's there's times where like guys like you know Morgan Neal and, and and Scott Ross were able to get the better of him, and I think that that Falkirk. I had a friend who was up there. That they looked better when 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 Keena came on and and uh, and Wilson went off. And I just think Eden Keena's got his limitations as well. Anthony Dowds, I thought he'd be a really good sign for Folker. But what we've seen seen from him, he's 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 raw. He's certainly game, but he, he doesn't necessarily have the technique. And I think that if they are able to just get that level of finesse, I do think that that they will have a team that can. That can challenge, but I think they're they're a wee bit away, I, and that's just I think they just need a bit more up front.
3: I, I think from a a Fulker point of view, I think bear in mind the the build up to the game and the fact that they looked far better than Cove Rangers, and and just based on the highlights, uh, it looked like they it looked like they were quite entertaining, and I think when when Nesbit scored that goal and the fact that they. And I know this probably doesn't really mean anything, but you see, when all the players were right at the fans, yes, and then there was that yeah, big kind good, of there was to that scrummage to, to, to celebrate. So I, I suspect Falkirk will win the league. But I think, over and above that, I think this team under Paul Sheeran will give, and obviously, I, I appreciate that winning the league would, would be enjoyable. But I feel they're probably going to give a, a style of play that the Falkirk fans are going to enjoy. And I was trying to think: when was the last time that Falkirk had a, a team or a season that they could enjoy? It must be a long. Time. Would it be under Peter Houston?
2: I think you're, you're going a long back. Time ago? To, I think you're going back to about 14, 15. The team that was that the team that reached the Scottish Cup final, yeah, it was. It was a team that finished in fifth place and got to the Scottish Cup final. They beat and and in three two at Tynecastle. Uh, Craig Sybil scored a stunner. Rory Loy scored a stunner, and that was a that was a team that was a, a, a right good league. That's at the Hearts and Hibs, and that and Falkirk were, were were able to yep. to go and, and and hang with these sides. So yeah, you probably are talking under under Peter Houston, and since that point it's been sort of like managed to climb. but going back to last week Paul Sheeran sort of echoing comments I made but Paul Sheeran's a manager who I like I liked him at Arbroath Arbroath were, were good fun to watch particularly in the first two seasons that that, that he was in charge at Gayfield didn't work ultimately didn't work out at the, at the end and, and they were relegated but broadly good fun to watch and I think that, that he's got an idea. I mean, he's a really good player himself, you know. And you talk to anyone who played alongside him or trained with him, they can't speak highly enough of him, like in terms of his ability, in terms of his his attitude. So you'd like to think that he could install that in the in the players. And not that I want to feel sorry for Falkirk fans at all, but seeing that moment, you're absolutely that's something I noticed watching the highlights when Nesbitt scored, running over to to the fans in the corner. That's class. I mean, it's it, I mean. Remember a couple of years ago, you had fucking Den and Lewis playing for you. you. You know, like a guy who, who, who rather than attack a ball let it run across him against <laughs> against firmland at home let a ball run across him you know when you've got when you've got a group of players that you actively hate watching and actively dislike then it must be amazing like to just have guys that you can identify with and get behind and I think that we're a wee bit away from that because it is early days uh, you know a, a draw I, against uh, uh when you're underdogs against cove Rangers you know you don't want to read too much into that. But I, I liked what I saw. I thought it was. A, I, I'm getting good vibes from what I saw, and even guys like like Ben Hall seem to do all right. Um, like Gary Miller playing at, at centre back, and I sort of unthankful. Who have been position. slated? Who, who have been? Aye. Both of whom have been slated. I. They, they. They did all right, and and you know, and this is without This is the guy like Cammy Williamson playing. Cammy Williamson doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. You know that's how you know that that you're you're kind of you're struggling a wee bit. But when I think when when Falkirk you're right in see you say when Falkirk have got guys that can come back and think that pound for pound they, they do have the the strongest squad in that division. I just think that they need a forward, a good principal striker, someone who can play that number nine position. They can hang their hat on. I don't think they've got that just now.
3: Oh, okay. So let's say they don't get that number nine, right? Let's say they they don't bring
2: anybody else in. that could play up front. Do you think they won't win the league? I, th- I think it'll be you know some this is the first time we're going into the season the last uh, the last two campaigns falkirk have been in league one i said at the start they're going to win the division and it didn't happen you know one uh, covid the, the 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 covid pandemic hit and then wraith rovers were, were inexplicably deservedly winning ahead. <laughs> 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 were, were ahead of them and then last season the, the collapse at the tail end was it was an absolute disgrace that was that was of a do not Morton 2003-2004 standards. I I, I I think this time maybe it's my sort of sense of of caution as to, to what's happened previously. I think that's what it is. If I were to be, if I was to take off my, my cautious hat and put on my objective hat, I'd probably be putting on your objective hat. i say, Sean, can I get a shot of your objective hat for a second? <laughs> yeah, probably Falkirk can, can win the league. I just think we need to see a, a number nine come in. And there's still plenty of time. They've still got another... But Four a about three in about weeks before they can they can sign someone. So aye, it'll be interesting to, to see what they do. But what about uh, what about Paul Hartley's side or Paul Sharkley, as I saw someone refer to him, uh, which I thought was quite uh, quite funny. Uh, Paul Hartley said, you know, they've they've spent quite a bit of money. I think that if, if, if rumours are to be believed, that, that Ian Vigers is being very well looked after for his time uh, in, in Aberdeen. But the guys like uh, Ross Draper, Ian Fygers, Fraser Fiery on paper, I mean, these guys at one point would have been playing top-flight football together. Uh, a strike force of, of Mitch Mangan and Rory McAllister coming on as a, a substitute. What do you what do you make of uh, Cove Rangers' performance here? Should they have been disappointed? are disappointed with their overall level of performance. I, I think probably, yes.
3: And I, I, I think Hartley said something post-game along the lines of,
2: we didn't play the Cove Rangers way. What is that? That's like when managers would come into West Ham, like the West Ham way. What is that? Being unsuccess- broadly unsuccessful? What I, is the Cove Rangers way? I'm not entirely sure what the Cove Rangers way is. My,
3: my concern is, I think, that, that Draper might be a decent signing. I'm not entirely sure if Ian Vigors is a decent signing. And bear in mind, they're presumably the paying a lot of money and they're on long-term contracts. And he obviously wants to get both of them in the team. That almost feels like shoehorning them both in the team is is making Cove worse, and especially with, like, with Vigors. Mm. So the, the fact they had Mitch Meggason up front with Fraser Fivey playing behind and then Draper and, and Vigors playing in the middle of the park, it just looked like they were dominated. Uh, Cheer Logan at, at right back is, feels like a good signing. Uh, I like Blair Jewell uh, yes. who, who, who plays it wide. But as much as, as as much money as they've spent over the summer, I don't know if they've got any better. And and that I suppose that's a
2: concern. It's interesting Sean, that you say that you you like uh, you you I like I'm i switched them around. I think Ian Vigers is a good signing because I think in terms of his range of passing I don't think there's anyone else in the division that that will, will be as good as that. It's Ross Draper. I just think that that he's he's like sort of like a Nat Weatherburn type who's just quite slow uh, like overall he's not very fast. He's quite good with the ball at his feet but but he doesn't really offer much beyond keeping things neat and tidy. I think that the Connor Scully is a far better option in the middle of the park. And certainly, when Cove Rangers were making their way through the the SPFL when when they were playing in League Two, the 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 balance that they got between having Fraser Fivey and Connor Scully in in the middle of the park was, was really good. I thought that that is obviously the much more talented of the two, but Scully's just. He's energetic, He's, he's he can uh, can drive forward with the ball, he, he's good at sweeping up and, and protecting the back. He's a sort of real box-to-box midfielder. And I think that if you don't have his le- you need legs. I think that, that's fundamentally what I'm trying to say. If you're going to have Vigers, Draper, and 5'8 in the middle of the park, you really need someone to do a lot of running there. And I think that you, you lose a lot. Connor Scully might not be the most glamorous of players, but he does a lot for that side. It, it feels like that... That Cove and, and maybe
3: Paul Hartley is is attracted to names, mm. and and that might not necessarily be the best approach for for Cove to go down because as much as they're probably spending more money this season, I don't know if they're necessarily better. Certainly based on Saturday, and I know that's a, a very small sample size, but they were, they were they were second best, and they were probably quite fortunate to to come out of the game with, with a point. And I thought it was a good goal from. Uh, I thought it was a good goal for for Rory McAllister. I kind of yeah, decent finish from close range, but based on the the, the chances that were created, Falkett were the better team. So that's that's a concern. B- based on the, the approach to the game, the the build up to the game, the fact that Falkett wanted the game cancelled because their build up was so uh, was uh, so kind of truncated, but Cover still second best. So I, I I thought it would be. In terms of a, a kind of title fight, I kind of thought Falkirk would win it, but I thought Queen's Park would be there. I thought maybe Erja would be involved. I thought maybe Cove would be involved. I thought Montrose might have been uh, on, on the verge of the playoffs. Based on what I've seen so far, I'm I'm still struggling to see anybody will take it off Falkirk.
2: Well, certainly, we'll wait and see. Let's take a look at League Two, and I think this is actually one of the most entertaining games from the weekend. We're going to talk about Kelty Hearts to County Bithnil. This, of course, this is the Maroon Machine making their long-awaited debut in the SPFL Playoff Champions, relegating Brecon City in the process. They went two point seven miles. Uh, sorry, County Beath traveled two point seven miles down the road to, to New Central Park. So that's good, so there's Central Park and New Central Park, New Central just Park. down the road from each other. That's that fantastic. Kelty l- really looked the part here. Uh, goals nine and a half from Joe Cardle and Ross Phillip, but Cowden Beath will be ruining a missed penalty from Liam Buchanan with this, when they were just a goal behind. This look, judging by the highlights, Kelty produced a really excellent highlights package 10 minutes of just good lower league football, a good laugh, a good standard, chances for both sides, key moments, moments not taken. And I'm, I am I think that, that Kelty Hearts will be a, a, a tricky customer for both, for most sides this season.
3: Aye, and in terms of teams that are going to come up against this season, I don't know if they'll come up against too many better teams than than county Meath, which, which might feel like a, a kind of bold statement, but other than maybe... Forfa, for example. I mean, I think Cowden Meath have got a decent squad. Yes, it's a it's a squad that has an, an abundance of experience. Uh, but, but I think Cowden Meath have got a got got a good squad. However, as well as Cowden Meath done on the day, especially at this the start of the or maybe even the bulk of the second half, Kelly just had too much for them. Mm-hmm. Uh they, the the fact they had like Joe Cartle. Appeared to be exceptional on the left-hand side, and again, the, like the guys that they have, so like Thomas Riley, I found Jamie Barjonas an interesting one, so he, I, I he think look excellent. Barjonas looked excellent; was really good. And like Barjonas is a bit like, remember Scott Roberts, who was at Wraith Rovers yes. uh, a number of years ago on loan from Rangers who slipped through the leagues and ultimately didn't look good enough. So Barjonas. Wasn't he good at Wraith, wasn't he good at air? And then he slips down into Kelty, and you think, right, well, is he is he going to be able to impress at league two? Is, is this his level? But like he just looked good. And and Kelty's midfield in general uh, done very well. And as aye, as as well as Cowdenbeath did at the certainly at the start of the second half, and obviously they had the the, the penalty, which would have got them back into the game. Kelty were, Kelty were deserving winners, and, and Joe Cardo, who I am admittedly a fanboy
2: of, I, I thought Cardo was excellent in yeah, a wide left position. The, the, I, I think you saw that. There was times where, I think it was, it was Fraser Mullen that was playing it right back. There was times i I think it was like Robbie Buchanan was coming over to cover it, and he was still able to take the two of them on and, and, and get, get the balls in, because he's so unpredictable. You know, he's, he's a right-footed player. But is it But is it unpredictable? He, he, does, he does the same thing Every day He's done the same thing For his entire career
3: But, but nobody knows How he, to
2: stop it If you if You, you can't say But he has got the ability To come out that, That's the thing When I was watching it The number of times I thought Well he's going to go in and he's but he's taking the players one way. He did that a couple of times with Mullin, where he takes him one way, then the other, then one way, then the other, then comes inside again. So I suppose it is it's unpredictable because he can go outside and use his left foot and and get in. And it's how you deal with that with the the, the two players. I thought that I thought Bar Jonas looked especially good breaking forward, and I think that he was involved in a lot of Kelty's good stuff. You could tell he's he's certainly playing with confidence, and I don't know if that's you're dropping down a level that that he's that he has found his level if it, if kevin thompson's finally able to get a tune out of him where perhaps others couldn't i thought that um Man looked uh, interesting up front i think um like austin was injured so with aguman uh starting when he was signed for BSC Glasgow, thought he's just in there to to fill like as a bit of a jersey filler there, just to fill the bench. But no, he looked he looked uh, a, a prospect. I don't think he's really got the finesse or the the technique, but he can certainly put put himself about a bit. Riley looked good. Botti Biabi when he came on looked good. I think that Biabi can be a, a frustrating player. There's, there's times where he can get himself into fantastic positions, but but his decision making can let him down. But he was really in fact, instrumental in, in the, the, the winning goal for, for Ross Phillips setting him up. And I thought there's a, a lot to like about this Kelty side. One of the things that I, I thought was quite interesting, though, say Cowdenbeath, for instance, when Cowdenbeath will come up against most teams in, in the division, when they have their spells of pressure, if they, if they don't take them, you know, these spells of pressure might come later on in the match. But against a team like Kelty, who do have match winners, and can bring match winners on from the bench, if you don't take your chances, then they've got the ability to finish you off Like, or just put the game beyond you. And I think good seeing Ross Phillips score. You know, He's a sort of like Lowland League original, like, a, like proper jobber level stuff, not like one of the, the fancy Dan SPFL uh, bigwigs that they've signed. So it was nice to see him him scoring that. And he's a player that I've liked. The times I saw him against... Um, for Rangers and against breaking City, I thought he was really, really good in those games. But based on based on that, I thought Cowden looked Cowden looked like they, they've got a wee bit about them. But Kelty, I think Kelty will 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 win that division by by double digit points. I think it'll be about like 10, 11, 12 points. They'll win that league by. Uh, I bonus. I think I think more. I, I think other than
3: I think other than Cowden Meath. Forster will give them a game. Salon Albion might give them a game. Yeah, they're playing so some of Above that, I would, I would imagine them to beat
2: most teams. I, I, one player, I think as well, it's important. To, we spoke about Kelty there, but but we'll talk about Cowan. One player I thought played quite well was their goalkeeper, Cammy Gill. There was one shot, I think it was a Barjonis shot, that was deflection. through a deflection. Unbelievable Absolutely how, how brilliant. The, the reflexes to tip that over the bar. And another good save from, from Jamie Bar-Jonas in the, sorry later on in that half. So I think they, they've, they've done well. I think their goalkeeper was Nicky Hogarth who they brought in loan from Rangers last season who I think did well in fits and starts. Certainly the times I saw him against Stennis uh, Muir, he looked particularly handy. Uh, but other things, I'm not sure how, how well he was he's rated by County Meath fan. So so Cammy Gill coming in from Dunfermline Athletic, that's a a good piece of business. And I thought that Bobby Bar, you know, won the penalty. Had uh, did quite well coming in inside from the from, from I the didn't left think line. it was a penalty. Oh no, I, I thought it was a penalty. I, I, you thought it was a penalty? Yeah, I did. I thought, but I thought um, it was felt. Phil- I, I thought Ooh, it was soft. Phil- I, I think uh,
3: I think the referee might have been bullied somewhat by the fact that County Meath could have had a bit. Well, they were appealing for two penalties in a minute. And, and, and if you remember the about a, a kind of clutch of Cowdenbeath players mm-hmm. surrounded them, and the, the referee actually pushed them away. He did, it was and Craig Barr,
2: wasn't it? It was Craig Barr Chris yeah, Lankton, booked, booked, one of them that uh, actually
3: shoved away. I think I think he booked about two players based on that. I, I think with Bobby Barr waiting down, which might have been the weakest penalty shout that Cowden Beath had. And I do think that the the former two penalty shouts was playing on the referee's mind.
2: Ah, oh, that's, that's interesting. No, I thought it was a definite penalty, and I thought the fact that Phil or none of his teammates appealed for it was quite telling. I I, I thought it was I, I thought it was a penalty. But that brilliant save
3: from uh, or a very good save from from Dan Jameson which and, and again as much as we're we're praising Kelty if that had went in, if if Liam Buchanan had scored the penalty, then it, it might have been different because at that point, uh, that's right. I... for a bit of the second half, Keanu
2: had the upper hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with you But that, that sort of goes back to that point I was making is That, that Kelty do have like, match winners all over yep. the, Certainly the forward line match winners all over the team Whereas Cowden might have had opportunity To come back into the game later on That goal from Philip ensured that didn't happen uh, One thing what I did want to say was uh, um, Cowden brought a guy in called Quinn Coulson I know he's in loan from Ray Throws Sounds like a minor character from latter-day Buffy the Vampire Slayer <laughs>
3: I I never watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but I would I
2: very much take your word for it. Well, I don't watch it either, so I might be talking shite. If anyone who does watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, want to get in touch and let us know, do you think Quinn Coulson sounds like a character from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, or am I talking absolute toot? <laughs> well, that's I think that's Sean. That's that's quite. Uh, that, that's actually that's taken us about an hour, which is remarkable. It's a thing for us, but in fairness, there's only three games. It's only three games, so that's one hour for three games. Um, So what we are going to do, we are going to go on to Patreon now and we are going to talk about the remaining 12 games. Uh, If you think that sounds worthwhile and tune in, bear in mind I haven't watched the highlights for any of them and it's going to be Sean talking for that time. If you want to hear Sean McGuigan talking, please subscribe to Patreon. If not, I'm sure we will see you again at another point soon. Sean, thank you very much for your time. No, thank you. And uh, this has been the Terrace Scottish Podcast. We will see you soon. Goodbye.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?